Hi, I'm John. And I'm Colin. And I'm, oh, my darling Clementine. Uh, this is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up. I don't know. I don't know. I'm lost. I'm scared. I feel like I'm disappearing. My skin is coming off. I'm getting old. Nothing makes sense anymore. Nothing makes sense. Are we like those bored couples you feel sorry for in restaurants? Are we the dining dead? How happy is the blameless vessel's lot? The world forgetting by the world forgot. Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Each prayer accepted and each wish resigned. Cue that motherfucking theme song. Cue the theme song. Mm. I never really had much luck with the ladies. Maybe we stop stealing their panties. <laughs> Yeah. You're not a stalker or anything, right? I'm not a stalker. You're the one that talked to me, remember? That is the oldest trick in the stalker book. Really? There's a stalker book. Is there any risk of brain damage? Well, uh, technically speaking, the procedure is brain damage, but it sits on a par with a night of heavy drinking. Nothing you miss. Can you hear me? I don't want this anymore. I want to call it off! Oh! We're going to, uh, where are we going? 2004. Jim Carrey, there's definitely some comedy in this movie, but it's not your typical Jim Carrey. Alongside, listen to this cast, Kate Winslet, Kirsten Dunst, Mark Ruffalo, Elijah Wood. Um, we get David Cross making it, but maybe the most important role, Jun Tao. Jun Tao <laughs> making an appearance. Jun Tao. Tom Wilkinson. <laughs> <laughs> we laughed uh everybody out there at the uh rush hour episode that tom wilkinson <laughs> colin made the joke that tom wilkinson's agent would have uh, come to him and be like oh do you want to play a uh a hong kong crime boss named jun tao yes i believe that's great <laughs> gotta make the donuts uh, that's right that's right so yeah you got uh the hulk and frodo baggins um yeah, it's a it's a great little cast, and this movie came in under two hours, which I could not remember, but it's about an hour forty eight, I think. Made for twenty mil, uh, made seventy four, and uh, of course some of the more memorable parts about it. Directed by Michael Gondry, and the screenplay by the ever quirky Charlie Kaufman, uh, also had done um, adaptation and being John Malkovich, so has uh, that reputation for doing interesting things with stories and writing very kind of surreal i guess this is is, people out there call this a sci-fi romantic comedy um i guess there are some sci-fi elements with the mind wiping but i don't know it's it's definitely not a technologically advanced movie In, in fact the the movie kind of skips over all the details of the technology and they just say enough sort of confusing and maybe plausible things, but it's not the focus here, right? You just kind of buy it. But does that make it sci-fi? I don't know. That's. I don't think this is a, I wouldn't consider this a comedy, be honest. I, hmm. I think it's more of a drama. I, I think it's a, it's a dramedy, if you want to call it that, but I, I find that the themes in this movie can be very dark and serious and like relatable. But, I still think there's that comedic but, element. We laughed a lot watching this. There is a lighter yeah. tone over serious content. It it, it walks yeah. a really fine line there, but I think it does it effectively. It no, it does, but that's why I don't feel like it is is like a. It's not. I wouldn't call this a comedy, but not a straight no, comedy. No, I agree uh, with you. It's it's hard to find that that this would be a comedy. This is. I agree. This is more of a drama with comedic moments. Hmm. Yeah. It, it it does walk a, a very cool tightrope, and I think that's what part of its charm. But Charming I indeed. Found this, I always found this to be like really profound uh, when I'd watched it in the past. Yeah, we see uh, Joel Barish um, realize that his uh, girlfriend had her memories erased of him, and so he decides to do the same. And a bulk of this movie is you kind of experiencing that mind wipe. So in a really interesting fashion, uh, you get to see 
Joel and Clementine's relationship from the end because it kind of rewinds and erases his memory from the most recent to the old. So you get to see them at their worst and at each other's throats. Uh, But then as the movie kind of goes on, uh, you get to see them a little bit more um, going back to their early and and more intimate side. So it's an interesting journey for Joel to take because he feels vindicted or he feels uh, vindicated, I think, as he starts having his mind erased. He's like, fuck this. Get rid of all this shit. Uh, So, yes, indeed, he has his mind erased of her. And uh, lo and behold they kind of meet again and so will they go through it all again how will that kind of work this movie starts in a place and then things change and so maybe you were a little confused or were you did you get it Uh, did you not get it do you need it explained explain it to us brent don't ask me that (laughs) i think it's a great sec this is a great second watch movie too like i love second watch movies like fight club where you where you get to really experience it differently the second time mm. and almost adds an extra layer or element to the movie that you did not you weren't aware of watching it originally that because we you realize that the first time that you're seeing the, the movie starts with them having their minds wiped already and them meeting each other again un- unaware that they had already dated yeah yeah and the first time you watch it, you that none of that is apparent, and even even after you finish the movie, you kind of forgot that they started there. Yeah, I'd forgotten. Yeah, I I've 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 seen this a lot, but I'd often forget that that they started there. And, it's funny because uh, that goes to a certain point, and then that story stops, and then we get the credits, uh, and it, we we checked it was what twenty five minutes in. Yeah. When the credits uh, were, oh no, it was teen. Yeah, that's closer a long to that time. That's still okay. Long. Yeah, <laughs> it, but it was a, a really long time for that to happen. And then from that point on, the movie goes to um, Joel waking up and going to get his his mind wiped. So it's um, yeah, it, it's just it's kind of a little out of order, but you don't necessarily. It, one way to to kind of keep track of it is to pay attention to Clementine's hair color, which kind of changes throughout. So you get a couple of hints there, but um, I mean, I've seen this movie more than a few times, and um, long stopped asking those kinds of questions, and more being able to kind of sink into the story. Because, like Colin said, I've, on a second viewing and even a third down the road, um, if you're into this kind of movie it's kind of really rewarding to to pay closer attention to the characters and you kind of know where they are in the in the grand scheme of things so to um to watch them go through and um it kind of you kind of hate both of them and then you kind of get on one side or the other side depending on certain scenes but then by the end you start to see like more of their their connection and stuff like that and then you kind of have hope for them by the by the end of the movie which is kind of an interesting way to go it's all like backwards and forwards. It's it's a really interesting way to show a, a romantic story. I found it circular. It just starts at the end, right? And then I think that we are led to believe that they go off into a changed future because they're both aware of their past, right? Um, I was thinking that more so this time too, uh, what you just said. I think that's true. Yeah, because <clears throat> it could easily be perceived that they're just in a perpetual loop, right? And, and, yeah. I, and I considered that in the sense of like how romantic it is that their love is only um, viable during like that honeymoon phase, maybe a bit after, right? But then it sours and they just are incompatible after time, right? But they are like, like soulmates for the other amount of time. So I thought like how fucking great an idea, like how romantic is the idea that these guys would forever continue getting their minds wiped and then purposely going back to the relationship so that they could experience like the good parts of each other again and not fall into like disarray and they'd rather like not know that they knew each other rather than never have known each other at all yeah that's totally true so look i i agree and this time around i also i think in previous viewings i would have thought that they were doomed to live the same loop and fall into the same trap like they were kind of running away down that beach blisslessly ignorant blissfully Mm. ignorant um however one thing that kind of makes me think about the point you're making not to agree or disagree is that both characters points i yeah sorry oh just oh, oh okay okay that opinion then um if even if it's not yours um i hear you uh 
that basically both Clementine and Joel seem to be able to tell each other in the early stages of the relationship what they think is kind of going to happen, especially Clementine. She's like, this is just who I am. I always like do this and then I get feel trapped and then I push away and and like I, I, I can't fix anyone, she says to him in the bookstore. She has that line she says twice, and it's you can tell that's a line that she like gives a bunch of guys that she ends up being with. Yeah. Um, and it basically says that maybe she is she knows her faults and is maybe then doomed to repeat it. Um, so it that just maybe makes it a little bit more interesting as they run down the beach, even though they know their faults and where they're going. You'd still have to take the the um, the initiative to change your future, right? Otherwise, you would fail again, and you might know it's coming and do nothing about it, right? Oh, so yeah. it's it, it's interesting because they might succeed and be the greatest love story ever. Because yeah. I would think practically, if I could get into a relationship knowing one definitive and likely bad end, I'd probably do th- some things to steer it in the right direction, um, knowing that that's possible. Um, but <laughs> maybe these two aren't going to be that smart and just let the emotionality take over again. So it's kind of, I love the open-endedness of the ending in this one. Yeah, I think they do it well. It's a, there's a lot of uh, ambiguity ambiguity um, that gets thrown around in terms of like how you can perceive what's going on. I think that the way they develop the relationship is super um, great. The way that you see them at the end, there's like this natural, like that kismet where there's just like, that spark it's supernatural almost right they just there's something pulling them together um he's even sketching her on the train already right Fucking i, I also and then, i also yeah. think it it could be it and i think the reason why it feels like it's perpetual is because he is going backwards so he's fine with being the erasing until he starts to see the beginnings of the relationship but those are always great the yeah. the sex and the like getting to know each other those are in every relationship are good but like well in the ones goes, where you have that instant connection yes and w- yeah. but where it goes but like any relationship i've ever had whether i stay with them for a long time or not the beginning is always great because everything's so new and fresh and like I mean, everything is by fun. definition by definition of a relationship the beginning is always going to be better than the end but no, the honeymoon but phase the is end, definitely. But I'm saying the beginning is exciting. Yeah. It's yeah. exciting because it's new, and yeah. so he he's really fix it. He's not until that happens and he's reliving it again and they're erasing it. He he's forgotten that because they had a terrible ending to that relationship, and the last few months I think they were together two years, but it seemed the last few months were really bad, and they were no longer even being polite to one another. Are considering each other's feelings. They were just saying things oh, yeah. that were very honest and, but also very mean. Yeah. So it's interesting because, because yes, he of course he, um, he's got those goggles on for the the he's romanticizing the beginnings, and then wants to keep hold on to the relationship and get it back. But but it is also um, interesting to think that maybe they have learned. Um, from this experience and that they could they could you know check themselves or recognize these flaws in how they treat each other and fix it in some way if if they could start all over again so i i think the fact that you don't know what's going to happen also makes this movie so great and we're watchable because it doesn't have a definitive ending they don't live happily together we 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 don't know what's going to happen and once again you can choose for yourself as the audience what you think is going to happen and uh i think these days it's a lot easier to have some hope and i i feel very hopeful at the end of this movie for these two mm-hmm. yeah but i also like the reality of a love story that shows the the um the trouble the, the, the lines do you know what i mean the lines in between a relationship and like the struggle and and the, like it's just it's not a fairy tale and it's not going to be perfect after that do you know what i mean they're gonna still have to work on shit like you said if they're gonna make things work and i mean that all is a is a nice love story to see where it's just not like everything's abandoned and all chance is ignored and i you go for what you want to and then there's a big dramatic moment where your dress blows in the wind yeah <laughs> no and and there's the great side story too uh, complements the main story so well 
because that great side story with the doctor who it seems like has invented this technology um, from what I can tell he this is the only place in the world that is doing this and he invented it um, he he's had the relationship with his his receptionist and it sounds like it was was it more than once do you guys get the idea it was more than once no I thought I thought so I when think I was, was thinking back but I think yeah. they, she just had it erased once yeah the the uh, Kirsten Dunst yeah yes and and the flaw in his the flaw in his so like the whole the, like if we start at the beginning their whole um the whole setup with those characters the one who's manipulating Clementine to date her who's a total scumbag and um and totally you know he's he's clearly not a very he's not a very um you know he's he's not a charming guy or a very social guy he's kind of socially awkward so he's decided to resort to this fucking disgusting manipulation of patients at the hospital you almost wonder if clementine's not the first person he's tried this with but maybe this is his first endeavor in doing that like to try and get a girlfriend out of it and then the um guy uh brad ruffalo's character which is he's great too who who's in love with um what's the actress's name in this again well, Kirsten Dunst, Mary. Kirsten Dunst, yeah, she, and he's in Mark Ruffalo. He's, he's clearly got a crush on her, and 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 well, he, he bangs likes her, her, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, he likes her a lot. They obviously are kind of, so. <laughs> kind of dating because um, um, they never really discuss the nature of their relationship, but it seems like that they're like kind of in the beginnings of dating and just having fun once mm-hmm. again. So uh, once again, the beginnings of that relationship. But the flaw in the science here is that you can erase the memory, but you can't change who the people are. They're always at the core themselves. And so she's always going to be in love with the doctor. She's always going to be attracted to the more mature intellectual guy. And so no matter how many times he erases her memory, she's always going to try and try and um, start a romantic relationship with him. She's always going to want it, and she's she's also a person who's um, uh, outgoing, and um, and she like initiates the kiss with him. So so she's not timid, you know. She she becomes very aggressive when they're alone and goes in for the kiss, and he falls for it again the second time after he even knows the history. <laughs> Of what happened between them is risking his marriage, and he's still fucking going for it because he hasn't changed as a he as a as a person. Find me, is. find me a sixty-five-year-old guy that this Kirsten Dunst hits on that says, "Ah, uh, my principles, my principles." <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> I don't even think though he that's knows the, the end result is going to destroy his relate his marriage and possibly like ruin him for his yeah. career, he still can't fucking help himself because he couldn't help himself the last time. Yeah, I think this movie actually does an interestingly good job of not not portraying this in a way that he took advantage of her because it so could have easily been like that where he used his power over her or something, you know, took advantage of the young girl. But, it, like, they make her kind of more the aggressor and at least for this, this style. But overall like the movie really seems to show the flaw when you try and erase the minds of two people who are like linked like like Joel and Clementine are that instant attraction it seems like this other pair as unconventional as it is both share that spark for each other and that's what you can't erase um and so other relationships that went through this procedure might have been successful because maybe there wasn't that spark to fall back on well, and you can just another interesting way to think about it. You can see how how she makes him feel like a genius, and she makes him feel brilliant, and she makes him feel, you know, like like uh, confident, and like she talks about his brilliance and stuff, and he he's a sucker for it. Who wouldn't be? <laughs> no, it's true, but I mean that's uh, that's why he gets gets sucked into that web again so easily. That and I mean, life is a fucking dangerous spiral downward at the point he's at. So, reach out and touch someone. <laughs> well, fair enough. And his wife, <laughs> his, and his wife even knows. His wife even knows that he's not changed as a human being either, because she doesn't trust him and shows up. 
So yeah. she yeah. even knows that that he hasn't changed. Well, it must have been like like really recent that that happened. Well, I wonder oh, I that so. too. I think it's probably been months maybe. Because Brad Ruffalo's yeah. character says once I saw you guys talking and you looked so happy, but then I never saw you talking to him again like that. So I Is just not- assumed I was making it up. So it could have been months, maybe. <clears throat> is it is it Mark Ruffalo? Yes. I'm okay. sorry, did I say Brad? Yeah, I yeah. said Brad. I don't know. Is there a Brad Ruffalo? I don't know where I'm getting Brad from. I think Not so. Not that I'm aware of, but... It sounds familiar. Perhaps? It is the Mark, Ruffalo, though, yeah. The Ruffalo brothers. You just might be more of a Ruffalite, and you might know maybe the genealogy of his family and who his brothers what, what, are and shit. What, pe- what don't people like in this movie? Um, um, okay. The long beginning. The beginning's a little long. It is. I yep. agree. Yeah. <clears throat> and some of the, um, I guess towards the middle-ish end when Joel is like regressing into childhood and stuff, that went on a little bit long for me. That felt mm-hmm. like that stuff, like mostly Joel's stuff is the prime part of the story and the secondary story is um, the stuff happening with Kirsten Dunst and Mark Ruffalo and Juntao. Um but then there's a time in the movie when when um, what's his name's getting busted for making out and finger banging Kirsten Dunst, um, Juntao when he's doing that to her, uh, then the st- it kind of switches and Joel's in I think in that less important for his time period, he's like trying to formulate the plan on how to hide Clementine with her, but he's he's for some reason a baby and she's like another character and then they're in the the sink together. So some of that went on a bit too long for me and. Um, I don't know. I guess there was other important stuff happening in the other on the B story, but um, this part of the A story wasn't. I as didn't like. Great. I didn't like that same stuff, but I I thought it wasn't long. I thought it was that Jim Carrey, the director, had him play it like he was an infant, and he doesn't do that in any other scenarios in the uh, movie. So I I would have had similar dialogue between them, like. Like, but Jim Carrey was talking like himself, like as an adult, like he was like, oh yeah, this is my house that you're this woman. But instead he's like, bye bye, goo goo goo. And I was like, what the fuck is this? It doesn't make any sense. Like that he's regressing into a child all of a sudden. I don't mind it when they're little kids and it's showing them as little kids. And those kids want them to smash the, the bird with the hammer. And then they hold hands and go get the bike. I just didn't like that him doing it in the scenes where he's under the table and and his yeah. mom is there and stuff. I I would have preferred it's because if he was it's because it's more silly acting. The thing yeah. with the bird is is really subtle and really powerful because it shows him like being like peer pressured into smashing a, a bird out and of existence with a hammer. Yeah, yeah, and it's got a sentiment to it. And then she takes him away, and so like he, yeah, you can just see because it's a simple emotion, right? But when he's a kid, he really just regresses right into that child character which i think like addresses john's point about the length of it i feel like it was it was as long as it was because they were trying to get that was like the punchline for them was that scene yeah. and they were trying to get to it to let jim carrey be a little kid and play off of that that riff and i think it could have fucking went yeah probably, yeah right you're totally right uh, that, that was the only part where i i was kind of confused as to what they were going for there i, I think it was tonally off from the rest of the movie that's where they're not walking the tightrope. They were yeah. going too far into that side, and it doesn't ruin the movie by any stretch. But but it is a it is a speed bump. For speed me bumps. When we it's definite. It it's like yeah. the scenes I don't care about when I'm watching this movie. I'm like, get back to the other thing, and then it does, and I'm like, yay, and then it goes back in the sink. I'm like, fucking move on. So yeah. you know, um, it's almost well, beneath the movie that stuff. It's exactly what I was just thinking. You're dead yeah. on, I think, with that. Is that it does feel like it lowers itself um, for this. Just a little scene. bit. It's just just that little. It's so funny too. It's like so. It could be so quick that they if they could have like you said if they could have done it a little bit quicker maybe I don't know. I don't know. It it very well could be just something that's in there just in an attempt to throw um, a little bit of levity into the otherwise like pretty pretty dark movie right like we're exploring these memories but not everything is is very bright here um and especially they, every scene tends to close with into darkness so it's yeah, a very they, claustrophobic fucking feeling thing 
Um, so with that scene, I think they are trying to just like shift it up a little bit and give you a touch of silliness. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I forgive it, but I I just agree that it doesn't it doesn't work for they me. They do a great though when uh, in scenes like where she they're doing the thing where they they used to put a pillow over each other's mouth and pretend they were killing each other. That's awesome. That is super. That's great. stuff super That's funny. The, that humor works so well. Yeah. And they do, like, they have enough good times together, the two of them, that it, like, it makes me um, hope to see them succeed. Uh, and then both characters say things so heinous, it's like, oh, my God, like, I couldn't I couldn't deal with that. But it's hard. They, It's hard, yeah. I have a hard time watching Patrick, too, um, in these <laughs> scenes. Like, I, 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 I find, like, the scenes between him and Clementine are so awkward. And uh, where he's like trying to manipulate her and stuff. I like really he's hate so his bad character. at it, though. I, I really know, but he's so bad because he's like Such just repeating. Ball. He just repeats stuff from Jim Carrey's diary. Um, Which is also a to testament her. to him. Yeah. Like Elijah Wood, right? It's like how great he did at making him believably hateable. Yeah. And like so creepy and like. And <laughs> OK, like one of the scenes that I laughed hardest at in this movie was. Uh, as Patrick was telling um, Mark Ruffalo's character, whose name is Stan, uh, about like taking her underwear, and Stan like looks the Hulk looks shocked, right? And he's like, "You took her underwear?" And then Frodo's all like, <laughs> and then Mark Ruffalo starts laughing too, and they just like laugh laugh the whole thing off. And I I don't know that really caught me as a hilarious way to get out of doing something completely immoral. It's it's because you saw the reaction with Brad or Mark Ruffalo, and you saw how. And and he, he like that's it's they they it's a nervous laughter between them that makes me laugh. I also I almost wonder if that was like ad lib. I wonder if that was improv. Like they they didn't even like maybe Elijah Wood took it over the top. Like when I took her underwear, Mark Ruffalo was like playing the shot guy, and then Frodo broke, and he's like haha, and then they got it because it was pretty like pretty honest scene. It seems like genuine in its creepiness. That's- I think that was probably that was probably genuine laughter between them because of the acting. Because <laughs> he was like, "You took her underwear, dude!" And then they both start laughing. So yeah. I think they broke and they kept it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- and it's good. It works when you when sometimes that's a happy accident. But there's a lot of humor in those scenes too, where they're like dancing on Jim Carrey's bed. That's fun. And like yeah. rolling around on his bed and stuff on top, drinking of the his poor booze, guy. smoking weed yeah. in his bed. I that I think is the same thing as the previous is that it's yeah. all tied into the culture of that place. Like they do, st- they steal the booze. They fuck on top of the guys that are passed out. They steal panties. They like this place is not a trustworthy establishment. Oh no, my God. Uh, they have underqualified. You're, you're basically people. getting a fucking back alley abortion on your fucking brain. So yeah, it's funny. This, this major procedure, which appears to have some success yet. It's in a shitty dingy office. They have like typewriters and they send out, dot matrix printed notes like here's a question for you guys you get a note saying john has erased nat from his memory like what the fuck do you do about that or nat has erased john from his memory like you guys tell me right yeah Yeah. because what do i do let you i let you think you're crazy when you call me up one day and go hey i was dating nat right and i'm like (laughs) gonna just not say anything and let you think you're insane (laughs) no dude what are you fucking talking about you're like, I'm pretty sure I was dating somebody for like a decade. You're like, not not that anyone remembers. No, I tell you instantly, man. Oh, God. So rude. That whole premise is rude. Yeah. Yeah, I would tell. <laughs> it's also I that that it's so primitive, um, how they did things and stuff as well. They they send those cards and I like that though. I, I think c- that I- all still works. Yeah, I kind of It's like do that too. retro futurism. It's like a really boring version of that. Like a really milk yeah. toast boring society version of like like a steampunk or like a, you know, like that retro futurist where it's it's like there is a technology like John said like a sci-fi technology that is able to to plot your brain and remove specific instances, but we also like still have rotary phones and shit. Do you know what I yeah. mean? And drive yeah, like well, K like cars. the headgear is massive, and like the the CRT monitors and like din- like 
Tom Wilkinson breaks out the nice IBM ThinkPad when he comes in, but otherwise Mark Ruffalo was working on some like that shit. Baby old, is thick. It's like I'm, crazy, but it's hooked up to the brain machine, so I don't know. Like, so the I, brain I actually machine like is that. like a little MRI. It's very techy. Yeah, and you could I, tell this was before like social media and stuff like that because if if it wasn't, you'd have to wash your emails, you'd have to wash your social media accounts. You'd have to go in and like they'd have to have access to everything and they'd have to go in and clean everything up. That, your photos be, on yeah. your phone. Think of all the photos he would have had on his phone in today's age. Like <laughs> they would have had to delete like 200 fucking photos from his phone. And 200. Cloud. Probably 2,000. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and then from social media and then like there'd be other people's social media and then there'd be this Facebook group for like, was I erased? yeah that'd be like an updated version of it Uh, yeah yeah that's that's a great spin-off movie so you don't do sequels you do spin-offs from the world so now we just explore a different avenue of like of the world where this technology exists and it's a brand new story yeah mark ruffalo's son now he takes over the business and does some brad his son brad his son brad yeah yeah and his partner frodo yeah, that's right. <laughs> I do I do find that in the first 17 minutes, the acting between him and her on the train and the music that they use on the train. I mean, I do feel like some of that is like a little bit, I don't know how to put it. Like, if it's not bad acting maybe, but like it just seems there's something about it. And, and it makes me not like them. But once again... This movie works so cleverly in the fact that I don't like Clementine, but by the end of the movie, I'm like totally in love with Clementine and like her so much. And mm-hmm. Joel, too, at points in this movie, especially early on, I, I don't like how Jim Carrey's playing it or what he's doing. But then by the end, I'm 100% on board with him. Do you guys get that sense, too, in like the first 20, 25 minutes? They're definitely awkward around each other. And um, something else is that they decide to play music when the two are conversing. But then when there's lulls in their conversation, there's no music. It plays like over top of their dialogue. Yeah. So when they speak, it comes up. Yeah. So I, I thought know that's really, that's that. weird. Like I, maybe that's having some impact on the way I perceive the scene. Because I'm kind of like you, like something seems off, but is it just because they like don't know each other and Joel is really that awkward and she's like really punchy like it's at one point she makes some rude comment to him I can't remember and then like goes to sit somewhere else but then comes back and kind of like almost repeats the kind the the rude thing in a in a in a funnier way so I don't know like what it is it could be just that they're they're new and meeting for the first time and too awkward to for each other's good yeah yeah I mean it is awkward and it does feel kind of um, improvised or something in a way. It's it's hard to watch people be so uncomfortable in scenes, especially where you know you would also be like pretty uncomfortable, right? The, everything is so like I don't know, it's so stuffy, right? Like it, it's very mm-hmm. tense. Everything feels tense the whole way through, and I think for me, anyways, I'm I'm not gonna say what that's what feels wrong. I don't know that it feels wrong. I think it what it, it's effective. But I think it's it's a serious ride. Like if you're watching this movie, you're like this isn't the one you get like wasted and come home woo and then throw an eternal sunshine. No. no, this is like if you're feeling introspective and and uh, you know emotional or dark or whatever, you put this on and and enjoy the the, the craft of it. Yeah, because it's wanna, really well done. If you want a perspective on relationships in general, this movie has some really great ones to offer. You know, uh, he's really good at this, Kaufman. Uh, at exploring like the relationship kind of condition it's the way it goes through the seasons is like what they do and like clementine's hair yeah very much following along with the with the relationship you know kind of uh seasons um it's it's really beautiful actually and then just seeing like the way that you can go from like that passionate perfect for each other um and then things can just take a wrong turn and eventually you know things can break up i guess not always the, let's be positive. this movie wasn't didn't have a big budget but you can definitely see that that um they it, it has a there's a beauty to the cinematography and the set design and the wardrobe lots of, and lots of play techniques 
Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they didn't use a lot of special effects. They used practical <clears throat> effects, good like camera tricks, wire work. Yeah. Um, there is some digital stuff, but it's like very subtle. Like when the the titles of the books start disappearing, when he's on the street where his car is wrecked on one side, and he walks back and forth up the block, and it's his street, his car is always ahead of him. If you watch that carefully, the stores all have like they're open and they have stuff in and then when the camera pans back they're closed and then when the camera pans back there's no sign then there's no product there's like little things like that that just everyone's faces yeah people's faces start disappearing things are in shadow or shade and and like just flat out disappear and it's cool it's just a nice little effect and it's it's supposed to seem weird because this guy's getting his mind erased and it just it definitely gets across that feeling when you're watching it Mm -hmm. yeah um what was I going to say? Oh, um, so the opening of the movie also has um, a lot of voiceover. Um, but it's kind of like the journaling voiceover. So is that a permissible use? It's not overused in this movie because there's not a ton of voiceover after the first. And he's also not saying like, I walked down the train stairs wondering where <laughs> I was. I turned left. I approached the train. I got on a train. Yeah. I yeah, drew this funky I, chick. Like it's, it's it's different stuff. It's like it's like waxing uh, poetic about his his state of mind or his being or whatever it was, right? Yeah, yeah. it's more characterization for yes, sure. Yes, and yes, like, yes. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm fine with the voiceover, and I'm fine that they don't use it again in the rest of the movie. A lot of the times that bothers me, but I I feel like they were using it as the introduction to his character and and kind of filling in a lot of the blanks so i'm okay with that if they just use it in the beginning yeah they definitely did not overuse it i think there was a few times when he's getting his mind wiped he's like saying things to himself but that's in his own head so i don't i don't really consider that a a yeah that's not really voiceover and like my gripes are more like with movies like the hateful eight where all of a sudden in the middle of the movie tarantino has voiceover (laughs) about shit we can see yeah like i still don't know why he had voiceover in that movie of him, the the director writer talking about what was going on when we clearly knew. So this isn't that. So I yeah. I, I'm, I think it actually improves the movie and makes it better. Yeah, because I like I like getting hearing it from Joel's perspective. It helps you to get to know this guy in the early stages. Where if they didn't have it, you just see a guy like running from one side of the train station to get a train on the other and riding out in the middle of nowhere. It's it's just so much more interesting. Um, with with his kind of commentary. And when he says lines like, you know, why is it that I fall in love with any woman who shows me the least bit of attention? Like, I think that's a, a relatable line for someone who must be as as lonely as Joel perceives himself to be. Um, it's also revealed that Joel uh, is living with someone when he first actually meets for real uh, Clementine, Naomi, and he's living with Naomi at the time. Um, But we never meet Naomi. I think you don't even see her except for maybe in a deleted scene. But um, I don't know. I hadn't really, like that doesn't really have any impact on how I perceive or view Joel as a character in this movie. I don't think about Naomi at all. And I don't think about the fact that he likely broke up with Naomi to be with Clementine and whether that is good bad or anything at all so like i wonder why they wrote it in and kept it they could have pretty much cut any mention of that right and you'd still feel the same way about joel yeah i think it's just to to make him have a space like a history it kind of grounds it a little bit more rather than two people just kind of like nebulously existing uh in this fictional world like him having a girlfriend kind of like increases a little bit of the stakes of them being together and it it, uh, I think it, it cements probably a little bit of the, the kismet of that initial meeting of that of theirs where they really hit it off. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's a uh, sexy. <laughs> I I also like at the end when they they keep um, listening to the tapes and then as they're hearing things they're talking about on the tape about that they don't like. They're like. I, I like your hair. No, I really like I lo- like I love your hair. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I yeah, love yeah. that they they're like ev- everything that's coming out of their mouth on the tape they're taking back immediately. Yeah. I I not uh, like that. I don't say that. I, I don't, and then I, don't I like how she I don't do that or whatever. Yeah, yeah like I I I love that um 
that 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 kind of um self-reflection and stuff and and them denying that type of thing I, I think the one thing that i you recognize in these characters at the end of the movie is that they aren't very emotionally intelligent they don't really know themselves um which is fine because a lot of people don't but these two characters don't know really who they are even though um joel talks about himself a lot in the beginning of the movie um uh or maybe clementine doesn't know herself as well as joel maybe does because <clears throat> actually in the beginning of the movie when he talks about himself he's pretty accurate um about how he feels about himself and his life and stuff like that and like john said about falling in love with any girl who shows him the the smallest bit of attention um but maybe clementine's not very self-aware to some, I, I think both of them to some degree have it, but just not not the whole story. And they're that's fair. They're just both don't seem very open or ready to change. I think they feel stuck in who they both are, and that just makes for an interesting pairing because usually people want to grow and change together, and this pair does just not in the direction maybe you'd want them to. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bad combo when you have like a super spontaneous, um, you know, say what you think type person mixed with a very shy introverted I'm sorry all the time kind of person she would just dig into that and he would relentlessly feel assaulted and then he would start to he says some pretty awful things to her like you wouldn't be ever you're like it basically says she wouldn't be a good mother um or he says you're not ready something along those lines which you know it could be like he was maybe just asking a question trying to drive us some discussion but she took it as <laughs> definitely an assault so his flaws uh, he also tells her that she fucks people to make friends. That's how, right. that's how she makes friends. Yeah. It's like you probably fuck someone tonight because that's how you make friends. Uh, that's how you get people to like you. Yeah. She, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he also is not, he, she tries to talk. The times you see him where he's more flawed is not only the times where he's like really cutting into her and saying like those things, but when she's trying to talk to him about stuff and he he says he doesn't want to talk about it right now or um like their future or having kids and stuff where uh where she wants to discuss it and he just completely shuts down and closes off yep so he's definitely got some flaws i mean hers just hers stand out more she's a bigger personality and like she projects her shit but Where she's more, like John. I think Brent said he's more in an introvert and she's an extrovert. Like Joel, I honestly like I'd never have Joel as a friend. I find him like mostly unlikable. So yeah. he's a dark cloud. Like, yeah, he, he takes energy. He's not providing anything. Yeah, I know people like that, and it's exhausting. And eventually, when they're cut out of your life, you're like, oh, good. Yay. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't think I'd be friends with them either. Yeah, you just can't ever talk that person up. And so they they just make their own. It's like the self-fulfilling prophecy is totally a true thing about human nature. And the people who fear whatever they fear, they fear it so much they make it come true. And mm-hmm. his is about his loneliness and his unlovableness. Unlo- and um, yeah, so he says some pretty fucked up things. <laughs> Man, I hope skipping down that beach they realized and they're like, we'll keep listening to these tapes and we'll stop. We'll talk about it. I don't know. I don't know. I think I mean that's they'll what start. The great do you know what those tapes is? are? Those. Sorry, Colin. I fuck cut you right no, off. No, go ahead. Please Brent, go. Please. I was gonna say. You know what those tapes actually are? Is they are ammunition for upcoming fights. Yeah. Where he's like, "You fucking said this." She's like, "I didn't say that. I wouldn't say that." And he's like, "Well, let's go see." Uh. <laughs> yeah, it says that was a fucking frequent problem of yours in the old relationship. They call it like old co and new co their relationship. <laughs> I was going to go the other way and I was going to say that those tapes could be used to any time that they start to slip. They can listen to those tapes again and make an adjustment. But Brent went the darker way where they're using it against each other, which is probably the true case of what would happen is you said this. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. Let's go to the tape. I like your world. I like your world better. I like that. uh, Well, I I, that's the more cheery. But I think you're right to go. Let's go to the tape is is probably a fight. Yeah, it's instant replay on everything now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this movie won Best Original Screenplay Oscar, and Kate Winslet was nominated for Best Actress but did not take it. 
this had to win for best screenplay because yeah. it's an amazing fucking screenplay. Like, if this didn't win, it would have been a travesty. The, the, I mean, I'm actually shocked that the Oscars got something right, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. They I don't know what it was. sure up are going to botch it this year. Nor Sorry. do I. I know. Well, there's Nor- 10 fucking best pictures. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know who else was up for best actress. This doesn't seem like a best actress Oscar. Role no, I don't know. So. She's great in this, but it's just that no one like I don't think there's Oscar really anything in this movie. It doesn't stand out in that way, which is one of the reasons I like it. It's good. Except at for everything. the screenplay. I think, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a crazy story and it comes together fairly well, I think. And for that reason, maybe I will call it unless anyone wants to talk about any other kind of things. Jam it. I'm uh, good. This movie holds up, man. This has such great replayability. This is like a Fight Club level replayable movie. It's it's sad and makes me introspective and it doesn't make me super happy. Um, like there are happy moments in this movie, but because the end is open-ended, maybe the mood I was in at the time would drive what I think is going to happen. And it's a reason I love this movie. It's also a reason I will watch this movie frequently, but not like as much as maybe some other fun movies. <laughs> Just because sometimes you don't want to be too sad, but sometimes you do want to appreciate some beautiful art, and that's what this is. This is just a really great movie. Uh, I think I was reading somewhere that said um, one of the inspirations for this movie was, um, you know, what? hey, wouldn't it be neat if someone just delivered a card to your mailbox and you opened it and it's like blah, 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 has had blah, blah, blah erased from their memory. Don't mention them ever again. And that's like the whole idea behind it all. <laughs> that's funny if that's true. So yeah, it holds up. It's um, it's not too long. Ninety nine percent awesome, good stuff. Check it out at theaters now. Probably not. It's not in theaters now, anywhere, but, but you know. I think I saw uh, the in the theater. Colin, paper, rock, snizzers, or me, you. You go ahead. It holds up. Oh, uh, this movie's pretty good. It is uh, incredibly disturbing when you consider the fatalist kind of aspect of it where it's just like this perpetual um lack of choice or real decision and you're just gonna keep recycling uh the same decisions over and over again as you kind of wind down your life that's a little depressing but that doesn't mean it's a bad movie it means it's a good movie well written for that stuff um i did think it was funny that this movie is like so beautifully titled but it really just boils down to ignorance is bliss yeah and uh (laughs) I think that's the fucking great thing of it. Yeah. I do think that it is. I do think that it is them though. Um, coming back to that moment forever is a, is a nicer idea, but I think it's the other way. Maybe they learn from it. I disagree. I, I don't, you guys are like such downers. I, I felt good after watching it this time. I felt like they ended with the music and them on the beach. And, uh, and I think they, I mean, I'd like to think that they have a real shot. And once again, like, well, a thing that John said that was interesting is depending on your mood of watching this movie, I think that's so true. I mean, uh, there's movies I won't watch when I'm in a bad mood or I'm I'm in a depressed mood because I know that's only going to make it worse. But oh yeah, great, so great point. I think I was in a good mood. Maybe I was in a good mood when we watched this, and uh, I, I. So came what's out of this. what's your call? Oh, it holds up absolutely. I mean, this is the best screenplay, one of the best screenplays ever written. Yeah, and. Uh, the performances maybe are not like amazing performances, but like this is one of Jim Carrey's best. It's one of my favorites. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, Clementine, uh, what's her name? Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet's like a fucking amazing actress. If you look at this and compare it to her other performances, like Titanic, she's com- <laughs> you can't even like. <laughs> But she's unrecognizable between this and Steve Jobs. You would never think that this is the same actress yeah, as no. the, in the, these roles. She did a bunch and of period so, pieces up to this point. So. Oh, that too. So if you look at this performance, you might think it's no big deal. But then you see what Kate Winslet's done in other films. And you're like, holy fuck, that's the same person doing this role. So... This is just a solid movie that I think will only change. I think it will change over time. And as time goes on, my perspective of it will change again and again and again. Yeah, this movie will just keep going. This movie will, I don't think this, I think this movie will always hold up. Yeah. It's because it's timeless. Yeah. It's um, the world of it with the, with that kind of 
you know, um, ambiguous timeline makes it work because it both yeah. like functions as a period piece, but also as kind of like a, as a, you know, possibly an imaginary world or, or it's, it's just always going to be relevant. So, yeah. 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 The relationship. Yeah, definitely. And then next week is Colin's B-Day movie. What is it? Woo! What is it? And it is Clockwork, ah, Clockwork Orange. Oh, my dun, dun, God. Dun. I've been waiting to do this one for a while. I'm actually really surprised we waited this long. Will this be our first Kubrick holdup? Ooh. Because we don't be. have a single one yet. We're just, I guess, well, I'm sorry. I mean, overall. A single overall unanimous yeah. holdup. Brent unanimous. did say hey, I'm so, the lone holder. So sorry. But I mean, like, it's not that the movies are bad, right? Um, it's just, come on, Kubrick. I have, I don't know what I'm going to think about this. I honestly haven't seen this movie in like over 15 years now. It's, I can't even remember the last time I watched it. It's been a while. Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking it's going to be strange, and my prediction is going to be, nah. Uh, yeah, uh, you know I'm feeling that way too going in. So we'll see. Uh, I also have that uh, prediction. Oh, even wow. though I even though I like this movie. Okay. 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 Well, we'll get to it. We'll rip it up. We'll tear it out. We'll praise it. Maybe all of the above. Maybe none of the above. I don't know. So we're going to have to see. It's been so many years. Uh, But as for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, A++, double good, plus, double plus good. So check it out if you've not seen it. Crazy to see Jim Carrey um, totally restrained um, from his typical stuff. And it's, I don't know, it, it just works really, really well. And we work really, really well as a team, don't we, gentlemen? Yes. Nope. Super good. Okay, well, we'll good. Th- then we will. C- we've decided then since that worked out and no one said we didn't work, we're going to come back and do at least one more episode. Ha <laughs> ha. Just kidding. We got hundreds left. Uh, so a clockwork <laughs> orange will be coming up next week. Uh, it's been great having you. It's been great. Enjoy all the good things in life. Have a nice day. And as always, enjoy your shit. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is holdup underscore podcast. You can fire us a comment or two, add a movie to our wish list, and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week. Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM.